sometimes it is so hard, it is so very hard to get people of the world to actually understand what the Christian faith is really about. A year or so ago I went to a funeral in another church here in town and the message that the minister gave was just a plain, simple, good gospel message. And afterwards I overheard a couple of blokes talking to each other and one of them said to the other, I think he accused us of being sinners. And and he said this as if this was something new to him and that the minister must be mistaken and, and how dare he suggest such a thing. And yet I know that time and time again at funerals and just about everywhere everywhere else, the true gospel has been preached in this town over and over and over again by so many different people. And yet people sometimes just still don't get it. Even some people who regularly attend a church still don't get it. If we were to take a survey of ordinary old Joe Blow down the street and if we were to ask them what someone has to do to ensure that they're right with God, I reckon generally we'd get one of two different answers. Some will say you have to live a good life and and do the right thing. As long as you don't hurt anyone and and you don't make a habit out of kicking the cat or beating your wife, as long as you watch your tongue around little old ladies and... And if you always try to do the best you can, you know, if you help people out when you're able and you give five bucks to the salvos when they knock on the door and, and you try to teach your kids some good values and, you know, if you leave the world a little bit better place than how you found it, that's how you get right with God. Now, I reckon that's probably what most people would say. Probably the second most common answer would be, if you want to be right with God then you have to be a bit religious. You you have to go to church, you have to get christened and do confirmation classes and take communion. To get right with God, you have to do all this religious stuff. And then, of course, we'll get those who hedge their bets and, and go with both answers and say, well, to get right with God, you have to be religious and go to church and stuff and you have to live a good life and always try to do the right thing. Now, now, do you agree with me that, that if we were to take a survey down the street, most people would come back with those sorts of answers? Seeing a few nods of the heads, yeah. But that is just so, so far from the truth of the matter. It's not the gospel. The only basis for getting right with God is this thing that was spelled out backwards up here before, faith. And that's what this morning's reading has been all about, faith. And you did a good job, Jake. Hadn't read that and it was a long one. Good job. Over the last month and a bit, as we've studied the previous couple of chapters of Romans, Paul has drilled it into us that we are incapable of being good enough to get right with God. No matter how many good things we might be able to achieve or how many religious ceremonies or activities we participate in, the tiniest, minuscule, little sin that we might commit disqualifies us, brings to ruin all of the good work that we've done. And the worst sin of all, and this is what most people don't realise, the worst sin of all is to say, I don't need God, and to live as if we don't need God. 
You know, and to say, oh, I really don't want to have much to do with him. And, and, and if God doesn't let me into heaven, well, it's his loss because I've been such a good bloke or such a nice lady and, and he should deserve me. You know, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's the terrible truth of the matter. No one is righteous. Not one. And even if I have only sinned once a day, well, so far in my nearly 47 years, that means I did the maths on this, I have committed this morning, by now, 17,104 sins. But let me tell you, one a day doesn't come close. Um, and if you want to know, you can ask Robin how many I've committed already this morning. I'm sure there'd be a few. But who's counting? Who's counting? God is, of course. He knows my righteous deeds. He knows my evil deeds. He has them all written down in his book. And, well, Joe Blow, we surveyed down the street. Well, if he heard me say that, he might say, well, you better do some more good things to get some more good things on the positive side of the ledger. Or or you better get a bit more religious and get a few more points that way. But the trouble is, we're not saved by doing good things. And we're not saved by getting religious. We're saved by what? Faith. And that's something that the world cannot comprehend because the world tends to equate faith with doing good deeds. Or it equates faith with getting religious. And most people would much prefer to have a little checklist of righteous deeds they have to do or a list of carnal sins they must avoid and a list of religious duties that they have to perform because that's human nature. Well, they might be human nature, but it's not reality because that's not the gospel. There is no list that gets us right with God. Whenever I preach on a particular passage, one of the first places I begin to study is to look for key words in that passage. And in today's reading, there's a lot of them. There's a few words that keep coming up over and over again. Words like law and works and faith and justified and righteousness. And we've been encountering most of these words a fair bit already as we've worked our way through Romans. Let me share with you a word that gets mentioned a lot in today's reading that, we, that hasn't yet appeared in Romans. And it's a very important word that helps us to understand what Paul is trying to tell us today. It is an accounting term. Uh, the reading we read um, translates it as count or counted. Other translations might use the word reckoned. And so imagine we have a ledger with all of our sin on one side and all of our righteousness on the other and then down the bottom we've got the totals and they're all added up. And what Paul is telling us is our faith, faith in Jesus, is reckoned or it's counted as righteousness. And it's not just a single entry that goes along with every other good thing we do. It totally scrubs out the whole negative side of the ledger, and it totally fills up the whole good side of the ledger. It's the only positive worth counting, faith. 
And if someone has no faith in Jesus, then their ledger looks pretty scary. It reveals that they're spiritually bankrupt. Our faith gets counted as righteousness. At the end of the day, when the ledger is all added up, the only thing that's worth counting is faith. Because faith is what makes us right with God. Now, some people might say to you, well, that's the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Not so. Even in the Old Testament, Judaism, the the, the Jewish faith, began as a way of faith. But it didn't take long for men to muck it all up and turn it into a religion of a list of do's and don'ts. And Paul gives us two examples of how even in the Old Testament, righteousness came, not by what people did, but through their faith. The first example was Abraham. Now, Abraham was considered the father of the Jews and and Paul explains that Abraham wasn't saved by being circumcised or by keeping the Ten Commandments or by always doing the right thing because he certainly didn't. Abraham did a few rotten things. At times he was a bit of a coward. He was also a bit deceptive. Twice Abraham tried to pass his wife off as his sister and she ended up with another man. And sometimes he argued with God. Abraham had plenty of sin on the bad side of his ledger. What then did Abraham have going for him? Faith. That was it. Faith. Abraham had faith and it was counted to him as righteousness. It was like God said, I cancel out all your sins because you have faith. And so Abraham became the father of all who believe, of all who have faith, whether they're circumcised or uncircumcised, right? whether they're a Jew or whether they're a Gentile, a non-Jew, Abraham is considered the father of faith, which is why when the kids sang that song, we all sang that song, Father Abraham has many sons and I'm one of them. We're considered as children of Abraham because we're people of faith. The second Old Testament example of being saved by faith was David. David, King David, he is held in such high regard in the Bible. And we hold him in high regard too. And yet, David wasn't such a nice fellow at times either. In fact, when he committed adultery with Bathsheba, he broke five out of the Ten Commandments in one hit. When he saw Bathsheba, he coveted his neighbour's wife. And then he committed adultery with her. And then in, in doing so, he stole Uriah's wife from him. And then when he realised that she was pregnant, he tried to cover it up. And so what did he do? He made up all these lies. He bore false witness. And then finally, when Uriah was so honourable that it undid all of David's covering up, so that he wouldn't get found out, he had Uriah murdered. That was David. And he's considered one of the heroes of the Old Testament. What could David ever do to make up for all of that? And you might be listening to this today and and be wondering to yourself, what could I ever do to make up for everything wrong that I've ever done? Well, I don't suppose what you've done is worse than what David did. 
And even if it is worse, it doesn't matter. David repented and he pleaded for mercy from God and his faith was counted as righteousness. And David wrote a song to praise God. You don't, you don't realise how much our songs help us to praise God until, um, until you can't sing them. Like, I was sitting there this morning just wanting to sing along with the songs, but I knew I had to save what bit of voice I had left. Um, and so I couldn't sing. And I just wanted to burst out in song. Well, song is a way that so many of us praise God. And, and David, he really loved to praise God. And, and that's why he wrote most of the Psalms that we have in our Bible. And he wrote this, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Now there's a man who knows the forgiveness of God. There's a man who who would receive righteousness through faith. Did God count David and Abraham as righteous because they're such good blokes? No, because they weren't. Did he count them as righteous because they kept a great big heap of religious ceremonies and whatnot? No. They were counted righteous because of faith. And I'm here today to tell you that nothing has changed. There's plenty of people out in the world who do plenty of good stuff, but they have no faith. And likewise, there's plenty of pews being sat on today in churches by people who are full of religion and empty of faith. But righteousness before God is not a matter of doing good things. It is not a matter of getting religious and just going to church. Righteousness before God is a product of only one thing. Faith. Well, that makes faith pretty important, doesn't it? What is faith? Well, we had several definitions of faith. A good biblical definition is faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Faith means to believe, but let's dig into that a bit more. I can believe that a motor vehicle can get me from point A to point B, but unless I get into that motor vehicle, it Hasn't done me any good, has it? Faith is not just believing about God. It's not just believing about salvation either. The devil knows all of that stuff. He knows that God exists and he knows that Jesus died on the cross to save people from their sin, but he's not right with God. Faith is believing in and trusting in God with your whole life. In the late 1800s, Charles Blondin put on a show, walking a tightrope across the Niagara Falls. And he walked all the way over the side and and then back again and and the crowd were amazed. And he did various feats while he was there, doing amazing things on these. Anyway, he says to the crowd, do you believe that I can carry somebody over this tightrope, carrying them on my back? And the whole crowd go, yes, yes, we believe it. And so he points to one of his enthusiastic audience. He says, right, hey, you'll do. Hop on. (laughs) No way. And so he asked another person and another one and another one. 
And you can guess what their answer was. No way. I'm not getting on your back until finally one young man did climb onto his back and he held on while Blondin carried him all the way across that tightrope, all the way across the Niagara Falls. Now that is the difference between belief and faith. The whole crowd believed that Blondin could do it, but only one man had faith in Blondin. And what does it mean to have faith in God? Well, it's much, much more than just believing that he exists. It goes well beyond knowing that Jesus was raised from the dead. And it's certainly a very different thing to having a checklist of do's and don'ts. You see, having faith in God means giving complete control over to God. Paul said that righteousness will be counted to us who believe in him. Not not just who believe about him. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord. There is an enormous difference between believing about and believing in. I guess the question I'm asking you here today is do you believe about Jesus or do you believe in Jesus? To believe in God means to have faith in him. And and if Jesus is Lord, well, this is about giving control to the one in whom we have faith. It's being able to go, well, Lord, I so much believe in you that I'm going to let you control my whole life, my whole destiny, all of my hopes, all of my dreams. I surrender them to you because I know that I can trust in you. You see, while we try to be in control of our little checklists of do's and don'ts, we're in control. We decide what's right and wrong. We decide the standards of morality and we maintain complete control, trusting in nobody but ourselves. But faith is trusting in God instead of ourselves. Faith is giving over the controls of your life to Jesus Christ, our Saviour, and trusting in him to be made right with God. Good works are important Paul does not mean that we shouldn't be doing good stuff. But even if we do good works and do them well, on their own, they will not justify us in God's sight. What Paul is doing is he's cutting the ground out from the feet of anybody who would say, well, I always do my best I can. I try to live a decent life and what more can God expect than that? It just doesn't count. Let's finish up and as we do, let's make it personal. Christianity is not something you have to be born to. It's not just something which is for those who are brought up by religious parents. Christianity is not just for the good people. The Christian faith is for anyone who is wise enough to know that they need to get right with God and this is the only way. It is for those who realise they're not good enough and can never be good enough and religion is not enough. And it's for those who realise that they desperately need a saviour 
so that they can be right with God. And if that's you, I urge you today, don't put it off. If you realise that, hey, I'm actually just someone I've believed about God, but I've never actually believed in him. Or or someone, I go along to church and stuff. I might even say prayers and stuff. But I've never actually trusted in God. Well, if that's you, then I urge you today to repent of trying to justify yourself, repent of sin, and to start following Jesus as your Lord and your Saviour, knowing that by faith in him it is counted to you as righteousness. This is a gift of grace. It's not something that you can earn. It's not something that any of us can be proud of. Before God, we are all on equal footing. You know, some people will say to me sometimes, I'm not good enough to be a Christian. Well, that makes you exactly the right sort of person to be a Christian because no one is good enough. No one has anything to boast about. Because it's all done through Christ. It it is a gift of love from God to you. It is a gift of love from God to me. It's not something I've earned. It's not something you can earn. And once we have that gift, then we live by faith. If we've handed the reins of our life over to Jesus, well, that means we then have to live for him. And if you're at that point where you realise that you've been going around it all the wrong way around and, and, and you, th- you thought that you could get right with God by doing the right thing and by being a good person, or if you thought that you could get right with God by being a bit religious, but now you realise that that's not enough. I think it's time to talk to God about that, isn't it? Now I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and you can make this prayer your prayer. You can say these words quietly under your breath or you can shout them out from the hilltops and the Lord will hear, but only if you mean it in your heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, for so long and in so many ways, I've tried to get myself right with you, but now I know that I can't. God, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of trying to cut you out and trying to make it without you. Lord, my faith is weak, but I'm beginning to believe. I thank you that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty of all my sins. I praise you that he is raised from the dead and that he lives again. I commit my life to you as my Lord and my Saviour. And I thank you so much that even though I don't deserve it, you count me as righteous. Not through what I've done, but through faith. Amen. Now, verse 20 
says, No unbelief made Abraham waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Now, I think that's a very important verse there, folks. No unbelief made Abraham waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. And that's how we can grow strong in our faith, by giving glory to God. And let's do that now.